This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? There it is. <laughs> oh, nice. We cracked open a little uh, West Side Brewing common ale. I don't know if anybody else has any victory drinks going on, but here we are. Um on this game account. Oh. Perfect. Comer and Hoomer. Confusing us all. Uh, it's today, guys. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm trying to say that um, actually really liked how things have trended since Maui. Overall, I think the play has gotten better. Yeah. I have one major hang up on this team that continues to be a major hang up, but all in all, I think Vic Locken taking a massive step forward this year is something to be extremely happy about and extremely excited about. And honestly, I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg of what this guy can do. We still don't go inside to him enough. His passing can can unlock some other things on, for, for our team offensively. And and that's what I'm choosing to put my focus on is that Vic Lockett is an extremely special player and it's going to keep getting better and better and better. Absolutely. I mean, I, I talked about this a little few weeks ago, um, right towards the beginning of the season and right before, um, again, during uh, the shootout. But he's been really consistent this year and he took massive, massive steps forward. Um, and we all talked about, you know, in the offseason, season. Off season, we, just, we want that solid five. We want that guy who's going to, you know, go down there and bully. Maybe, you know, it's not on uh, in in the same way that we all thought, but he's just such a skilled offensive big man um, and really is able to bring it. And honestly, like his hustle too. like, I mean, I don't know who sweats. I want to know who sweats more, Wes Miller or Victor Locken. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Victor Lockin as he started last free throws of the game. The undershirt isn't white enough. Like there's something a bit off on the <laughs> white undershirt. That sweat that's kind of fading the color throughout the game. It has to be. A double double does not come with a clean white shirt. I wondered that. It crossed my mind like does the staff have a limitation to how many times you can wear these white shirts? Is he not changing it because of how well it's gone? 
Oh, we can. I mean, we know we know Wes changes changes shirt at halftime. Yeah, I mean, oh. <laughs> do, we, do we get what, make a New Jersey every every half? I think these guys could ring it out every I half. Factor though, you know, I remember I remember being a stud on my eighth grade basketball team, right? And trying to get as sweaty as possible for the person guarding me, just like you have to deal with this. Yeah, not my problem. If you want to guard me properly, you have to touch me. And if you want to touch this big sweaty mess, that's on you. I understand it full well. They give you the gray shirt at basketball camp so you can show everybody how much you sweated and how hard you. Oh yeah. Is I played eighth grade basketball worse than I played high school basketball, or, or are we going to just move past that? I mean, I tried. That's kind of where I was, you know, hoping you guys would take it. It's, it's definitely worse. Well, somebody's hooping. Rotations in this game were interesting to me. I thought in the first half we saw, obviously, we saw a really kind of like a coming out party of sorts for Daniel Skillings. He's been very promising all season. Flashes of, of really exciting play, rebounds the heck out of the ball, and then offensively, there's some work to do. But we didn't really see him in the second half. We didn't seem to see as much of uh, Josh Reed in the second half. We didn't see as much of even probably Odie Obama in the second half. Yeah. What did you make of the rotations in this game? I mean, I think it, at this point, it's just things kind of falling into place for conference play. I mean, I think Wes kind of knows what he wants from his rotations. I mean, personally, like, I don't know. I mean, I it's one of those things where I think it's just bound to happen. Like, it's it always shores up. You you go from, like, you know, 12, 11 men down to kind of like eight by the time you really get to conference. And then you're really just kind of saving your legs as much as you can. I and mean, that's the way I see it, at least. Well, I mean, you know, can't Steelers give you just like a burst of energy for at least one like TV period, timeout period, you know, like just a four minute segment there. Like you could use Steelers or, I mean, hell, if Kaluuya still has his five hard fouls, give him his five hard fouls and let him play. Um, I, I do think there is something to be said, though, about just the amount of minutes that Davenport is getting. And uh, we can cover that subject later. We can cover that subject now if we want to. Um, we shouldn't bury the lead. That is that is the conversation. Start it now. An extremely hot take on this. Go ahead. is is one of the worst. 
on that i just want to say this too is like i mean look look at the way that this has gone since wes has been here like that has not changed like his his shooting is the volume is identical game to game to game to game to game it's just whether or not it's landing and that is i think wes's mo is like you live and die by the three we've seen it before with a lot of other teams but i think that's just his mo now and you know unfortunately some nights it's going to be one for eight games though like how many of those games has it been more than three or four shots that have gone down you know I, I again like i'm not gonna say anything bad about the kid but like um we, we can't have a one for eight from anybody you know i'm with like, you that's, that's not saying i'm not singling him out i'm just saying like a one for eight from behind the three-point line and where you usually don't win those rebounds and you have to get back that's not helping anybody and I, I I agree with you that like uh, you know, Hunter that like he, he does everything else that Wes likes, but I mean we got to either get a, an extra shot or I think the ones that everybody hates the most are like the ones where it's like less than five seconds have gone off the shot clock and he's putting it up there and like there's no offense being created and yeah I, I, maybe that is the offense which is another conversation but I I do feel bad for the kid you know I don't want any kid to get booed especially by your home fans and like, you know, clapped when you get off the floor, that shit kind of sucks. But yeah, other than, like, you know, I, I, I would want to like say to our fan base, like, let's, let's just cool it on that. But I don't know. He should not be booed. Right. Yeah. Well, he should not be booed. I, reaction. I mean, I have a hot take. The hot take on that is at some point you do have to take a look at that the NIL situation and what's going on and, and if kid, you know, if the rumors are true about what, what certain players are getting paid this year, you're becoming borderline professional athletes. You know, if not, you know, full honest is becoming a profession, but you know, I, I, I kind of agree. Like, yeah, we don't need to, to boo him, but when you're taking a shot and it's, it's literally, you're getting down, it's contested. There's a hand in your face and we haven't even made the first pass yet. That's the side of the backboard. Yeah, I think, I think it's fair game. I think okay, it's fair wait. game to be booed when and, and, and because everybody's seeing what's wrong. And if, if you're not being, you know, called out, and there's the other aspect of it, it's like the crowd's calling you out, but what isn't happening is the media isn't able to be calling out players because Cincinnati seems to be running this game of access journalism. And that the first sign of any media personality when to call out the university for something negative it's almost like there's a fear that, there, that the journalists that, that do cover this are going to lose their access. So when, when you have West Miller closing down on the backboard, 
does someone have to sit in a crowd saying conflicting fun, conflicting hard, and, and what are you doing to you know to you know to like we all see it, Wes. We all see that his shot selection is terrible. You can't sit up there with a straight face and tell me that you truly believe that his shot selection is great. Right? Is there anybody who's saying that and are they able to say that? Or if they do say it, are they gonna lose their their access to the locker room? Yeah, that's a it's always a touchy subject. I mean, as as someone who's like been in a lot of those media rooms and those press conferences after games, I think it's like I don't know. You, you, part of it's you want to protect yourself because you don't want to put anybody under the bus because you, you can't I, at the end of the day is like as official media, like you really can't go in there and start hunting down, you know, players game to game. Like you just can't. It's 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 a. Uh, I think professionally, like you've kind of mentioned here is like professionally in in NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever it might be, you can go in there and you can ask the personal questions, but also that comes with consequences too. If you put it in a way that nobody likes it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think this is one of those things with like Davenport where, you know, honestly, it's, I I don't know the way that, the way that I look at this holistically, this, this problem of this kind of minutes thing of the shooting, I think a lot of this changes if John Newman's in here. And this is a totally different conversation, but look at your starting lineup right now. If you have Lockin, Maul, DDJ, and Nolly, and you've got Newman and Davenport in for that other slot, who do you think starting in that position realistically with the way they play on the court, with the consistency, with the effort, with the hustle, they've got the same effort, they got the same hustle. Defensively, you've got a big up with Newman, and offensively, You've got so many more tools with Newman. I really think that Davenport is not start in this starting five, and we have a different conversation if Newman's healthy right now. I think that conversation that we talked about all year is like, does he ride as a sixth man? I think that is the case. But then again, it's not also not the case because that's not the conversation we can have because Newman's not playing because he's injured. Newman is very important to the team because he's basically the one in terms of physical profile, athleticism, skilling is sort of like maybe a future Newman in a sense. Yeah. Super athletic, crashes the boards, rangy, and probably will turn into a plus defender. He's got more upside offensively than Newman, obviously. But we don't have that wing defender without it. And based on what we heard in the first half of this game from the announcers, it's very clear that Wes Miller views John Newman as extremely important to this roster. Now, some of that is a way to like build in an excuse for the results. So when he's talking to these announcers, he wants to build up, hey, missing John Newman is is a game changer for us. We really can't replace him. I, there is actually some truth to that, but the level to which the announcers were talking about it was it seemed a bit disproportional. I don't actually think it's like a make or break, but I do think he does mess with our ability to maybe curb some of the minutes Davenport's getting, which is which gets back to the topic of if before you do any sort of booing or before you really look pile on Jeremiah Davenport, I'm guilty of being hard on the guy because I think it's earned. I think it's deserved. But at, at the end of the day, I have to remind myself, all I've heard his coach do is defend him and praise the decision-making on the court. Yeah. So the root cause analysis for me is not so much the player. It's more so the coach for his inability so far to hold him accountable for what he's doing on the court. Yeah, no, I mean, that's spot on too. I mean, 
if you look at our team shooting tonight, definitely better than Tulane, but 32% when you have one guy going one for eight, it you land a couple more of those. Like you've, if this, I think the problem is this hasn't been a conversation that has been so consistent all of last year and now through this year. There's there's the spottiness where you get the games like the Memphis game last year where he was what like eight eight for nine or eight for ten or whatever it was or seven for eight seven for nine it some crazy volume kind of shooting night um, where things are hitting but ultimately like you just can't you can't depend on that and you can't depend on that kind of shooting I mean and and again not to put focus on him you also look at like DDJ in this game like one for five. Like, that's your most consistent player. Granted, he did a hell of a lot on all the other aspects of the court, not to even mention all the fouls he was able to draw. Also, you know, there is great, but, you know, it, probably, I think. Probably what you see Jeremiah Davenport. Right. Right. Both of his, you know, his two-point shots, he drives to the basket maybe a little more. Yeah more cuts on, on your passes as opposed to sitting outside the way. You know, when you guys take them in rhythm, that's a whole other story. But there's another there's a lot of these times where, you know, if we're cutting down on those early shot clocks, if that's if that's what West can coach out of him, right? And take mm-hmm. three of those less a game and maybe some of those get turned into points in the paint, right? And crashing the boards off that second pass that he's if he's able if he's able to make it. You know, boom, now he's adding an incredible amount of value to the court as opposed to taking it away. Right. And you know, losing us three minutes of possession. Well, and yeah. I want to throw this out here. Yeah, go ahead. That's actually said something like that, that where uh, you know, a lot of people were giving uh, JD some, some players some hate you know, online or just, you know, they're, they're not liking how he's playing. But uh, he pointed out that DJ makes a lot of the same decisions that that Davenport does. He just probably plays a little better defense and maybe makes a little better of a pass every now and then. But right. you know, it's five to thirteen tonight. I mean, you know, it's I know it's not gonna be ever like an NBA score a uh, score line where you're gonna have a guy shoot like eleven for twelve or anything like that. But I mean five for thirteen, one for five for three point, you know, if we're gonna still adapt for that, we should probably, you know, give some of the blame a little bit to you know DDJ. I I I just want to jump in here as devil's advocate. Not that, not that I want to be on this train at all, but also you explained in the same way of just what you were saying. You also explained too why DDJ makes up for it in saying that he's a little bit better of a defender. He's able to draw a little bit more here. He's able to pass the ball around a little bit more is able to, you know, create more lanes is to able make it create his own shot and not just kind of do spot up shooting. I think those kind of things too, like that's where I think that conversation shifts why so much focus goes on to JD and not as much to DDJ, though they have a similar volume. I think, I think it's, like I said, it's, it's, and, and, you know, we've kind of bounced this around a lot. I think the, the main point here is that it, it, it does come back to West too, because ultimately if you have a guy doing this time and time and time again, and this is consistent time and time and time again, and nothing changes, you can't blame the player for taking the shots and hoping that they land. You you got to go back to the coach on that. And that's that's a thing where, you know, again, thankfully, we're having this conversation because we won. <laughs> because we won by by 11 points. I think I think that's the thing that we've kind of missed here is that 
we also managed to win both halves. And we've been asking and begging for that all year long. But we won the first half, we won the second half, and we did both pretty convincingly. I would say the first half, I, maybe not even as much convincingly, but we we won both halves, which is not a thing that we've done much at all this year. So to be able to take care of business against a team that is pretty good, that is vying for that sort of three spot in the tier of the conference. I I don't, I, I feel like, I feel like that's what we should be focusing on at this point because 88, 77, Bearcats scoring 88 and honestly, you know, not having a absolutely tear the cover off the ball kind of night offensively and still scoring 88, I think is fantastic. 75% from the line. Not first half. She thought something that's difficult to capture in a box score. You can't really look at a box score right now and get a feel for this, but anyone who watched the game, to me, the three-point shooting in the first half versus the three-point shooting in the second half was night and day because of the types of three-point shots they were taking. True. It, it seemed to me in the first half we were doing a lot better job breaking down the defense, working the ball into Vic, and if he wasn't scoring. He was making the hockey assist that led to a wide open Landers Nolly in rhythm three. And then in his second half, we saw that regress to this isolation off the dribble type three point shooting, which even when you get into Landers Nolly and guys like that, like David to Julius, like those shots are just such lower percentages. And so you saw it, you saw it regress, you saw it fall off. And I think that goes back to figuring out how this team can sustain that higher level of basketball for longer. It does seem to be growing. It does seem to be getting better than where it was early in the year. And compared to last year, I think it's going forward too. But they need to actually stretch that out for longer stretches and full games if we're going to start ripping off a, a long winning streak here. Well, what yeah. you're saying is, it is selfish ball that we saw through the first, you know, first few games leading up to the Xavier, you know, where we just had these huge offensive stalls because, you know, or hero ball is what we were calling it. You know, the Wadi hero ball and the we started seeing some great basketball. Like that second half of the Xavier game where people were saying maybe this is the turning point in the season. It's all of a sudden it's like, wow, we're moving the ball. We're making the extra pass. We're hitting, we're, we're, we're getting open shots. We've done a lot of that since then. And we played some really good basketball up and, you know, up until this point. And I think you're hundred percent right there. Remember in the second half, we started seeing more, more of what, what I would call hero ball. And let's let's find that extra pass, and, and towards the extra, you know, the final minutes of the game, when we finally pulled away again, we started seeing more of that again. Yeah, and, and that's where I think that's what needs to be sustained is, and that's maybe it's a culture thing that's still getting ingrained, right? That this is what we need to do. This is the type of ball we want to play. Yeah, but that's what needs to be sustained is always looking for those those extra passes because he. This is probably, honestly, one of the best shooting teams we've had in a long time. Um, if you look back to some of our early, early season games, all movement was there too, and that's when we were, you know, we were winning and you know putting up score points. We called it what the uh, the score the points offense that we loved so much. And in in the first half of this game, I was making note of that, like, wow, the ball movement is great. The ball movement is great. In the second half, they came you, exactly what you said. They went back to that selfish basketball. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe that was a little bit of an adjustment from the Tulane side. I, I, I don't really know about that, or maybe it's more of like us, you know, holding it and hoping for the best shot. Um, I, I do think something like Coomer has pointed out on previous podcasts, uh, that 20 assists on 31 made baskets tonight, that's another positive sign you want to see. 
Um, can I just bring up the rest real quick? We just bitched about them. <laughs> there it is. It's like, come on. Like, you like said basketball where you're calling a foul. And you can like, I get it. There's fouls and stuff. But, like, it's just not a good flowing game, especially, like, that, that last four minutes there where, I mean, Landry probably jumped into the dude, but, like, that really doesn't need to be called. We could just move on. And just, I, I don't know. Well, just just for those who might have, I think we notice this a lot with like, we, we, we call it out every once in a while with football, but basketball has just consistently been so bad. Like, I think everyone can, I can agree on that, but this, this game had 53 total fouls, 53, sorry, 43. Yeah. I can't count. Season on March 11th, 2022. It's been damn near, what, nine months since we've seen American Athletic Conference officiating, and we're all just kind of in shock as we adjust to it again. This is legitimately status quo for this conference. Yeah, right? <laughs> horrible that, that, that was my point. So, like, I'm so happy that we're beating this conference. I'm hoping that the Big 12 has better crews that are, that are able to do a better job. And, I mean, like, the one, like, I know that we talked that the Victor Locke and with the um, with the jump ball, but then he had another one where he jumped straight up for like a block, didn't touch the guy. Well, there yes, was, there was space between the bodies, 
Yeah. They caught a foul on. I There's no way the officiating could get worse. It's tough. Don't <laughs> jinx it, man. <laughs> on him to not be in foul trouble because of how badly we need him on the court. Yeah. I think it's pretty shocking still that he only averages about 20 minutes a game on the season. I think it's starting to tick up a little bit. But he's doing – you could see a legitimate effort from him to avoid fouls that he was picking up early in the season. You don't see him picking up ticky-tack fouls on the perimeter as much anymore. But he's still getting dinged for absurd calls in the post, at least one to two a game, and they make a huge difference – in how our team's performing on the court, because we are obviously much, much better when he's playing basketball versus sitting on the vine. Well, and it, you, the same thing for the way he does play that, especially with the, the four fouls at the end. Like he, he knows how to walk the line. You're right. He is getting. Yeah, this this is a huge thing too. I think when you kind of mentioned that he's only around 20 minutes per game, that's partially too because he just does pick up those fouls. I think if he was able to just not get so targeted as a player, he would end up being closer to 28, 20, you know, seven minutes in a game. But you just, yeah. you have to keep him off to reserve him for the end of the game. I think it was one foul where he went straight up, didn't even touch the dude and got called for it. He like ran out the half court, just like so upset that he got a foul call. And I think it weighs on him, you know, that he's. He's obviously expected to do a lot, and he can't do anything about getting a ticky-tack bullshit call on him. But, right. I mean, I think he might be our most important player right now. I mean, I, I definitely love, uh, you know, David and Julius, Mike Adams, Woods was good tonight. But I think Victor having a strong post presence, like, I mean, we've, we've seen it with Odie. He's, he's good, but he, there's a reason why Vic is starting over him right now. I think Vic is our, probably our most important player. And Justin, uh, you called it out on our like preseason show that like he's going to be one of our most important guys just because of the lack of talent we have. And then if Kalu's not going to play and if Odie's not going to start, then we need Vic for you know thirty, probably twenty-five to thirty nights. Yes. Now for Nick Bowers, Nick Bay, ten and seven game. <laughs> <laughs> That's been long overdue. Come on, you know the power. I mean, if we're having that conversation, I've always thought there should be you should have you should still be able to put jerseys in the rafters without the numbers being retired. Oh right? yeah. We should, able to, we should be able to have yeah. that, that homage to the, the great legends that are, that make this program what it is, and still reserve like you know the wall for retired jerseys for being like national player of the year or whatever if that's what they want to do. But there's no reason why Steve Logan shouldn't be up there, Sean Kilpatrick shouldn't be up there. Yeah. You know, even in in my personal view, I think Deontay Vaughn even deserve a spot up there for, for, you know, basically holding the program together and being basically the only good player that wanted to, wanted to leave when everything was going to, to hell in a handbasket in that transition from Huggins to, to from Huggins, Kennedy to Cronin. I mean, we should have a Raptors full of this legend. And I, I love how, and I think they still do it. I haven't been, I live in New York now, so I don't, I don't get to sit there as much as I'd like, but the old, the old arena, you know, how we had the post, we had the sports and out there. Yeah. Uh, 
Nick Van Exel, like that's awesome. We need more of that all over the place. Yeah, you know, let, let this be a temple to UC basketball. Yeah, yeah, Van Axel and uh, Davin- and Davenport together up there. <laughs> Sorry, Hunter. <laughs> so we put an asterisk next to the number. Oh my God! All right, I'm 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 calling this out right now. We. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need to do an off-season pod of just all the names that like just throw one out there because i feel like just mentioning some names around this program just like whoa 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 who i forgot about that guy existing i forgot about this or forgot about that there's so many players that have gone through this program <laughs> <laughs> wow, I do like that comment. Flows in and out of games a little bit, leaves you wanting more, can light it up, can, can do a lot of things on the court, but you're just like, eh, like, are you, are you doing everything you actually can, game in, game out? I mean, it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you see, while we're bringing up players' names, uh, a name I haven't heard any of us talk about tonight yet is Daniel Skillings. And I just want to say, like, how well, bring it back to the present. Way to bring us back to the present. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. My opinion, and then it just stopped. But I'm sorry. Yeah. We can keep yeah. talking about Antoine Peake and all the. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching Gary Clark on the ring of college athletes and loved all the UC fans getting out there and hammering him. Be like, dude, he's not a random college athlete. <laughs> <laughs> was like the problem? Yeah, this this is this is not random. All right, guys. I once called into 700 WLW after, and I tried to say that Gary Clark was just as good as Hank Clark, and I got laughed off the radio. <laughs> 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 you know, I think I think they're on the same projection as uh Oscar. Jesus Christ. All right, all right. This one's this one's starting to unravel a little bit. All in all, we've we've <laughs> we've I wanted to keep this around 40 minutes. We're 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 basketball players whose whose names end in a junior. That were great. Oh God. Trayvon Scott. 
Oh my god, Chris Scott. I love Chris Scott. He's my all time. Jared Cumberland. Javen Cumberland. Can't mention Trey Scott and Hummer's presence and hope to get my cast back on track. All right. Well, <laughs> this this is this is this is. <laughs> we've we've gotten off the rails. We've gotten off the rails. I'm I'm pulling us on the rails to to send us out here. I think we've had, I think we've covered pretty much everything we can for Tulane uh, in this game tonight. Uh, ultimately, the Bearcats come out again with a win, an 11 point win, 88 um, 77. High points from Landers Nolly and, of course, uh, Davenport. But really, going forward for the season, um, I think that we should be in good shape. This is the first time the Bearcats were able to get a um, three win streak past that mark of three wins. So thankfully they've got four straight. Hopefully that's the case. Haven't had too many offensive laws in this game more. So in the past, um, I think we've kind of got things in the right direction. And so hopefully that'll be the case with all that said, thank you guys for checking in this week. Um, hopefully we'll have another one here soon. It's been a blast talking to all of you and getting all your uh, great takes and um, maybe not so great takes, but again, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Yeah, all of them but one. But again, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we'll try to catch you on here uh, next week. And make sure, if you aren't already listening, to listen to Cincy Slangin', Viva La Cats, 